There's an old saying that revenge is a dish best served cold. But in the case of Don Staley and South Carolina's women's basketball team, revenge is a dish best served through Aaliyah Boston. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. Want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. What a weekend it was for South Carolina's men's and women's basketball programs. In the case of the women's basketball program, it was a really good weekend. In the case of the men's basketball program, there's some questions that need to be answered. And we're going to discuss both of these situations on today's show. Plus, for South Carolina, what are some of the biggest goals that they might need to accomplish during the 2022 offseason? We're going to dive into that as well on this Monday edition of Locked on Gamecocks. But let's start off with probably the best news that came from this weekend as Don Staley and South Carolina's women's basketball team in a rare moment had an opportunity to get some revenge for the second game in a row, this time against the Missouri Tigers. Of course, the Missouri Tigers were the team that knocked off the Gamecocks this past season and ended their undefeated streak. I believe it was the first conference game of the season for South Carolina this past year. And it was just a really weird situation. I believe that there was a COVID issue with South Carolina's originally scheduled opponent. Don Staley did not want to run away from a challenge, so they scheduled the Missouri Tigers. The Gamecocks got one day of rest coming off of a game they had just played the previous Tuesday. They came into the game on the road, obviously probably a little bit tired, not to offer up any excuses, but that's probably a honest and truthful fact there. Missouri came into the game with seven players and credit to them. They found a way to win in overtime. It did not play out that way this time as South Carolina took care of business and probably had an extra chip on their shoulder for this one as they went out and defeated the Tigers 81 to 50. So as always, we're going to talk about a few takeaways that I had from this game and let's see if ours match up. If you watch the contest in full on Sunday afternoon. So Starting off with my first takeaway, this one is sort of more of a takeaway that the Gamecocks validate on Sunday, and that's the fact that no team that plays like Missouri is going to defeat South Carolina. Now, if you watch this game, especially in the first quarter, you probably noticed that Missouri used a lot of screens around the perimeter, basically screening action. Now, I'm not going to try to act like I know what screening actions are, but to put it bluntly, the Missouri Tigers used a lot of screens in order to try to open up the floor a little bit more and give their guards a little bit of extra space, usually to get some open shots from behind a three-point line. And at the beginning of the game, in the first quarter mainly, 
The Tigers saw some success, and admittedly, the Tigers are the first team all season that the Gamecocks have played that have sort of really heavily emphasized this kind of screening action to try and launch a lot of three-point shots, because I guess Missouri basically felt like, hey, listen, we're not going to be able to beat them trying to go in the paint, so let's just try to outshoot them, and at first it was working. But for South Carolina, it didn't take very long for them to make the proper adjustments to this. At first, South Carolina's guards were going underneath or basically behind the people that were setting the pick, which was allowing even more space for these guards from Missouri to put up a wide-open three-point shot. Starting in the second quarter, Don Staley and the coaches basically told the players, look, don't go behind the pick people anymore. Start going over them, basically fight through the screen, stay in front of the guard, and if anything... We'll let them drive to the basket because more than likely, Aliyah Boston, Camilla Cardoso, and other players are going to be sitting there waiting for them and will probably end up blocking the shot anyways. And once that started happening, the game just went completely downhill for Missouri. They had no chance to win this game once they got completely thrown out of sync from what they were trying to establish. And from that point on, had to pretty much earn every single point that they got. Whereas for South Carolina... Uh, offensively, they were able to do just about anything they wanted on Sunday. And that leads into my second point. Raven Johnson is becoming the floor general that this team needs. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to make an argument here that Raven Johnson needs to take care of Fletcher's starting spot at the point guard position here for the Gamecocks. But I think that at this point, especially after watching the last few games, particularly Kentucky and Missouri, no one can deny Raven Johnson is really starting to show some drastic improvement in terms of being able to operate and run this offense. And Raven Johnson, honestly, when you think about her game, she has the three skills that you want in a modern-day point guard. She's someone who can command the entire floor offensively and sort of basically direct traffic of where everyone else needs to go. She can hit a three-point shot, which this day and age, just about every point guard has got to be able to hit shots from at least, you know, deep in the mid-range area to outside the three-point line. And to top it all off, she's very stingy as a defender and as someone who is great with her hands and can pickpocket just about any guard, I believe, that the Gamecocks face. Raven Johnson is really starting to, in my opinion, feel a lot more comfortable with this team. I think that she has sort of moved past the little period of time where she's been getting readjusted to the game, you know, trusting that knee again after tearing her ACL course early on this past year. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say she needs to take care of Fletcher's spot, but Raven Johnson is really starting to come into her own. You could just see how confident she is. You could see how easily she's seeing the floor now. And there was a couple moments where Don Staley even got up out of her seat to uh, really and just truthfully cheer her on, which just speaks volumes because of obviously Don Staley's resume and what all she did when she was a player back in her heyday. And if anything comes out of this, Raven Johnson is going to be a second point guard now that the Gamecocks can trust. And that is something that is going to be dangerous for opponents that face South Carolina later on this season and especially come March. The final takeaway from this game, uh, Aaliyah Boston is still her. Aaliyah Boston is still the most dominant player in all of college basketball, and there's no question about that in my mind. Now, has she had the stats that she got in her junior year this year? No. That's because teams are respecting her so much. 
There's plenty of teams now that South Carolina's facing that are putting two, sometimes three players in the same vicinity as Aaliyah Boston. And it's made it very difficult at times for the Gamecocks to do what they want to do, what they show they want to do during a game, which is get the ball down to the low block and let Aaliyah Boston go to work. But this game, Aaliyah Boston, in a lot of ways, managed to manufacture her own opportunities. Aaliyah was an absolute menace on the boards. Missouri had no chance of stopping her in terms of that aspect. She got multiple offensive rebounds, got multiple putbacks, made some really good shots at the free throw line, drew a lot of off-ball fouls, which tells y'all just how much Missouri was having trouble being able to contain her in this game. And then defensively, she was really feeling herself on that end at the same time, blocking multiple shots. There was one point in this game where I believe Laura Henson for Missouri she drove straight to the basket with the basketball, and Aaliyah Boston was standing there. Laura Henson, for some reason, tried to get a layup on her. I don't know why she did, but she did anyways. And Aaliyah Boston blocked the shot. She made some contact, and Henson immediately took a hard fall to the floor. Thankfully, she was okay. Boston got called for a foul, even though it looked like she got all ball. She didn't really hit her that hard. Laura Henson, of course, not being um, as tall as lanky as Leah Boston wound up going straight to the floor. And when Boston got called for the foul, she was walking away and the camera showed her just smiling. And I just, that image stuck with me, honestly, for the rest of the game. Because this is the thing, people mistakenly think that Leah Boston is just this super nice girl, which she is. She's got a vibrant personality and, you know, not afraid to show it. And that, you know, she's just a really good basketball player. And maybe that she doesn't have a mean side to her. And I don't think that's the case. And I think that that moment in that game against Missouri on Sunday afternoon encapsulated the kind of player Leah Boston is. A fiery competitor, not afraid to get after somebody. And the way I would describe the grin on her face was her basically walking around and thinking that, you know, I'm not going to say it out loud. But I know I am the most dominant player on this floor. The only way the opponent has a chance against me is if the people in stripes have anything to say about it and call me for a couple fouls. And that's the only way you're going to stop me. That's what I got. That's the impression that I had from that moment. So nonetheless, South Carolina completely eviscerated Missouri on Sunday afternoon. And they're getting closer and closer to a couple really big February matchups against UConn and LSU. Of course, we're going to have really big previews for those games when they arrive. But until then, South Carolina remains undefeated. They will remain number one in the AP poll. At least they should when the poll comes out later today. So really, really good end to the weekend for South Carolina's women's basketball team. Now, before we get into the men's basketball team and what all happened with that game on Saturday that I know a lot of you probably want to scrub from your memories. We're going to talk about South Carolina's football team. We're going to get back into a little bit of hypothetical talk here. What should South Carolina's main goals be for the 2023 offseason? I got a few that I came up with, and I want to see what y'all think as well, of course. But we're going to get into all of that in just a couple of moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, because you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Let's say that you have done so well with your company that you're now able to expand your staff, and you have maybe a couple senior roles that you want to fill out. Are you going to do that with people within your business, or are you going to go out and make an external hire? 
more than likely, you're going to do the latter. And LinkedIn Jobs is perfect for helping you find someone that not only has the experience in the industry or someone that maybe has the transferable skills, but also the right candidate, the perfect candidate that you need in order to help your business grow to an even larger degree. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to this edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now let's talk about South Carolina's football team. Now, obviously, we've already talked about a couple different things. We've talked about maybe some freshmen that could end up starting for this team in 2023. What should the floor and ceiling be for this team this upcoming fall? But, of course, before South Carolina even gets to the 2023 season, they got a whole offseason full of different tasks and hurdles that they're going to have to go through. And so I came up with a few different goals that South Carolina, I think, is going to need to accomplish before they even can suit up for fall camp and get ready to face North Carolina in early September. So let's start off with the first goal that I jotted down. I think the Gamecocks need to start to figure out who their future quarterback, or I guess quarterbacks, are going to be. Now, Spencer Rattler obviously coming back for 2023 is a big deal for South Carolina, and it certainly helps to heighten what the ceiling could be for this program. But, of course, everyone at this point, I think, is going to assume that no matter what happens in 2023, unless, gosh forbid, there's some sort of injury that takes place and nobody wants that, Spencer Rattler is going to be playing his final season here in Columbia. So that leaves us with, Who could be the guy that takes over for him after he leaves? Now, of course, there's multiple guys that are on the roster right now. That's Luke Doty, Tanner Bailey, Lenore Sellers, Brayden Davis, and Colton Gather. And that's not even counting in Dante Reno, who at this point looks like is probably going to be an early enrollee for the 2024 class. Of course, assuming he sticks around with South Carolina and Based on the fact that he could have maybe left a whole year early, I'm going to assume that he's got all his credits in line to where he's going to be coming into this program this next January, not in the summertime period. So, of course, we could debate about who's got the highest ceiling out of all these quarterbacks. I know that there's some people who are going to say Tanner Bailey. I know that there's a lot of people that are going to say Lenore Sellers. There might be even people who would still say Dante Reno, and he's not going to be on the field or on campus for at least another year. There could still be some people that say Luke Doty. He's got the most experience. He hasn't gotten a fair shot yet, which I completely agree with, by the way. And it's just going to be his time to be able to operate in the South Carolina offense. But I think there's one thing we can all agree on. Not all these guys are going to be sticking around long term. Just through the process of 
competition. There's going to be a couple guys that are probably going to be weeded out eventually. I'm not going to, of course, call anyone out out of this group that I think could be fighting for their roster spot or for a future position on this roster in spring practice. But I think there's definitely one, maybe even two guys who are going to have to really battle if they want to stay on the team for maybe even this upcoming season. Needless to say, I think there could be some transfer portal activity with this position specifically coming out of spring practice. And I think because of that, this coaching staff has got to figure out, okay, for this next offseason and beyond, who's going to be our guy? I think that that's a question this coaching staff has to at least start to formulate an answer for as they go through this offseason. Now, another goal I think that this team needs to accomplish in the offseason, carrying over the momentum from last season into finishing this current recruiting cycle and going on into the 2024 recruiting cycle. For 2023, Elijah Caldwell, an in-state prospect at wide receiver that the Gamecocks just offered a couple weeks ago. In my opinion, he is a guy that South Carolina needs to get. Not, you know, they could take him at the end. South Carolina, in my eyes, needs to get him. I think Elijah Caldwell offers an intriguing skill set. I think he could be a dangerous downfield receiving threat at the next level in college football. And, I mean, he's within your own state borders. You can't let someone like NC State come out here and snag Elijah Caldwell at the last minute. you got to get somebody like him. Nicholas Harbour, in terms of his name and the cachet that he brings with him as an athlete, he could be the biggest get for South Carolina in the entire recruiting class for 2023 if you can land him. But you got to fend off teams like Michigan, like Maryland, like Oregon. I would sort of say those are the three teams that you have to worry about to any degree. Not really going to throw in LSU, not going to throw in Southern Cal. The other teams, in my opinion, are the main contenders here. You land Nicholas Harper, that would just do wonders for your program in terms of your perception with other big-time athletes in terms of high school football. Now for 2024, there's a Junior Day event that's upcoming later this week going into the weekend. South Carolina is probably going to be hosting a ton of blue-chip type prospects, guys that I've mentioned before that are rated as some of the best prospects in the country at their position. And South Carolina is in favorable position for a lot of them. And in certain cases, they lead for them and probably lead for them by a wide margin. This is the kind of event that South Carolina can use to propel them into the spring where prospects can, again, take visits when spring practice is going on and then going into June. I think that Shane Beamer is one of the best in college football right now in terms of getting a bunch of recruits to commit during the month of June on those official visits. I think that that is a big goal that he needs to accomplish again this year. And I think that the Gamecocks got a chance for a legit top 12 recruiting class. I think it could be that good. But it's all going to start this offseason in that regard. And then the last goal I think the Gamecocks need to accomplish is developing quality depth at spring practice. Now, South Carolina, I do believe there is a transition happening with this roster at this current moment. They're getting into a position where not every position group now has a significant talent drop-off from the starting group going on to the second string. A lot of teams that are viewed to be, you know, average teams and obviously below average and mediocre teams, that's usually what they're seeing. But the teams that are above average to good to really good to elite, that's a group where you see teams that at least have one spot or multiple spot where the backups are just as good as the starters. And South Carolina is slowly but surely starting to see that at certain spots. 
But there are certain positions that either A, got completely overhauled or have a bunch of new faces, or there's going to be true freshmen that are going to have to be developed so that they can help this team as quickly as possible. And in my opinion, when you're talking about those kind of position groups, for South Carolina, you're talking about wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, the edge defensive end position, and defensive back. Now, that's not to, of course, downgrade these positions because, again, I think there's really good talent at each of these spots. But the thing is, do you have first line of talent, a second line of talent, and maybe even a third at all of these positions where you can confidently sit there and say, if that group goes out there, there's not going to be a drop-off on the field for South Carolina. I don't think the Gamecocks are quite there yet. But they're getting there. And so until they get there through just recruiting, which is, again, progressing, South Carolina's coaching staff has got to make up for that on the football field when they have all these practices in the spring. So I think that's another big goal that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff are going to need to accomplish this offseason. One that could be pivotal for how they do in 2023 and therefore how the perception could change even further for this program as they go into next offseason. Now, getting back to the basketball front, we do need to address what happened on Saturday. As ugly as it was, um, th- there's certainly a question that Lamont Paris, in my opinion, has in his mind right now regarding his team. And we're going to dive into what that question is in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from the NFL playoffs to college basketball and esports. BetOnline has got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because bet online is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. So South Carolina suffered another 40-plus point defeat on Saturday afternoon this past weekend this time at the hands of the Texas A&M Aggies. And obviously, it's not a good sign when your basketball team loses two games by 40-plus points on your home floor and you're a Power 6 conference team, in this case an SEC team. But the thing I think that stung the fan base that really made it so shocking is the fact that losing to Tennessee as bad as they did, while it certainly was a horrific performance, You can understand at least kind of why it played out the way it did because Tennessee is one of the best basketball teams in all college basketball right now. They are probably going to be a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. They are potentially a team that could win it all in the SEC. They could be the best team in the entire conference right this second. So you can at least stomach that a little bit more if you're a South Carolina fan. But for Texas A&M, a program that's a good basketball program. I'm not going to disparage them in any way. Buzz Williams is a very good coach, has done a great job building programs at several stops that he's had in his career. But Texas A&M, in my eyes, is a team that's like a really good NIT team to, you know, they'll sneak in to the NCAA tournament. Not maybe as like a 
six, five, or four seed or higher, but you know, maybe an eight, nine seed or maybe last four in type of deal. And South Carolina just got drubbed by them on Saturday afternoon. Now, in terms of takeaways, there's not really a whole lot to take away, but yet there is at the same time. So I'll go over the first one real quick that I think is kind of obvious, and then I'll get into what Lamont Paris probably is asking himself in his mind after this kind of performance. Firstly, Hayden Brown being out obviously really hurts this team. Now, is Hayden Brown going to make the difference between South Carolina losing by 41 to them maybe actually defeating Texas A&M? No. There's probably not a single player in college basketball that could have played on this team on Saturday and could have made up for a 41-point deficit. Unless South Carolina went to the NBA and got someone like a John Morant or LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, which they obviously can't do, that's maybe the only way you could have made up for that kind of deficit. Hayden Brown, though, is the glue guy for this team. He is the guy that, as Lamont put it after the game, is the grittiest on this squad. He's the guy that has the most experience at this level of college basketball. And so him being out means that other guys have to play different roles. Gigi Jackson had to guard the post a lot more. Let's be honest. Gigi Jackson's not that big right now. He's carrying probably about 215, 220 pounds. And to be honest with y'all, watching him in person on Saturday, he actually looks like he's lost a little bit of weight, in my eyes at least, as the season has progressed. And you got Zachary Davis going out there and playing. We'll talk about him a little bit more in just a moment, but... Zachary Davis is obviously someone that has got potential, but he's probably not ready yet to be starting in this kind of game against a solid SEC opponent. So Hayden Brown being out with potentially deep thigh bruise, which we all saw how long Marshawn Lloyd was out and how much it impacted his ability to be able to help South Carolina's offense on the football side of things. So that's not to say it's going to be a month-long process. I think with the deep thigh bruise, you don't know how long it's going to take Hayden Brown to come back. But it can clearly, obviously hurt South Carolina for the rest of the season if it ends up taking him that long because they can't afford to have Hayden Brown miss more than like a game or two. And yet that just might be what happens here. Lamont Paris did not offer encouraging words after the game saying that he hopes to have him back sooner rather than later, which in coach speak is code for, um, he probably doesn't even know when he's going to be coming back, but it's not going to be any time like the next week or so. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Hayden Brown and his injury in terms of storylines as this season progresses. Now, the other takeaway, Lamont Paris right now is currently in a phase in terms of building this program up where with these kind of games, he's got to figure out who are the guys on this team that I have that I could trust to go out there and fight for 40 minutes. Who is it? Is it going to be the guys that have been on this team for a couple years now, is it going to be a couple guys that got out of the portal? Is it going to be a couple kids that were playing high school ball at this time last year? Who's going to fight for this team? Because here's the thing. South Carolina, in terms of rebounding, got absolutely dominated on Saturday. I've never seen such a lopsided affair in terms of one team getting as many rebounds as AM did against South Carolina. And you could argue, of course, that there's positioning that's involved, there's timing that's involved. A lot of people would say, though, that rebounding is all about effort. And in certain other cases, you could also argue that it is about effort. And South Carolina, honestly, at this moment in time, and there's no specific player, but just they are not consistent with effort. And it's, of course, 
I wonder why that's the case because this team has seen what it could do. It's knocked off a Clemson team that right now is leading the entire ACC conference in men's basketball. It's knocked off a Kentucky team that historically is considered to be one of the best programs in the entire sport. But just went and knocked off the Vols on the road on Saturday. And yet they turn around they have a dud like this one. It's just there's no consistency with this team. So right now, I think Lamont Paris has to figure out who are the guys that he's going to have on this team moving forward beyond this season. Hayden Brown will be out of eligibility, at least as of this moment, I would assume, unless he gets a medical waiver somehow. Gigi Jackson will be moving on to the NBA. Michi Johnson, who knows? If he continues to play as well as he did, maybe he decides that he can make the leap and go to the NBA. So at, besides those guys, though, everyone else, you've got them on the squad for another year if you want them. Here's the thing, though. I don't know what Lamont Paris's thoughts are regarding the rest of the guys. I do believe that the question he's asking himself, and he's hoping these guys are going to answer for him in the final half of this regular season, then going into the SEC tournament, is who are the guys that I can rely on? Zachary Davis started in this game. Yes, he had some bad moments. He made some mistakes. True freshmen are going to have those kind of moments, and they're going to have these kind of games. But here's the thing. No one can doubt Zachary Davis fights. No one can doubt Zachary Davis gives effort, lays his body on the line for this team. Ended up, I think, with 12, 13 points. Took a couple of tough falls to the floor, getting hit driving to the basket, and got a couple and ones, and continued to fight all the way to the very end. Now, granted, it was maybe against AM's backups, but the point is, the kid doesn't throw in the towel. And he is someone that is like a piece of clay for Lamont Paris. Could be an interesting case study in terms of how Lamont Paris can develop, guys. Zachary Davis has potential, but he needs to be molded. He needs to be given some time, and you got to put enough effort. And if you do, he could turn to a really great player for this team. Lamont Paris, in my opinion, he wants some more guys like that, but at the minimum, he just wants guys that are going to constantly give effort and fight for everyone else in this group. And right now, I just don't think he's getting that from everybody. So, again, I'm not, of course, going to single anyone out, but I think that that is what Lamont Paris' biggest goal is at this point the rest of the season, along with growth. Simply put, who's going to fight? Who's going to fight every single time we take the floor? That's something that he, I think, is going to want answered by his team the rest of the way, no matter what the results are. Whether they pull off some upsets like they did against Kentucky, or they get blown out like they did against the Aggies and Volunteers the past two Saturdays. So, with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on Don Staley and the women's basketball team's performance from Sunday afternoon? What did you make of their revenge that they got against the Missouri Tigers? What in your eyes should be the goals for South Carolina's football program throughout this offseason? And lastly, what do you make of what the men's basketball team did this past Saturday? Do you think that there's a bigger underlying issue than I mentioned on today's show? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. Or you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>